If you would, please open your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Tonight we are going to look at a psalm, Psalm 131. I read a a book years ago in um, a counseling class, and I remember I really um, was taken by some of the things I read in the book. And so as I thought about where um, I should preach, this psalm came to mind I didn't remember a lot of of the details in this book, and there's only three short verses here, but as I began to meditate on uh, this text, I have been blessed by the treasures I think I've found in it, and I hope um, they come across in the preaching of the Word. Psalm 131, this is God's holy and inspired Word, a song of ascents. Of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, we would ask that you would help us this evening as we meditate on your word, as we meditate even on the life of your servant David and his greater son, our Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, that you would help us to be diligent, that you would help us to be Bereans, to think clearly. Lord, we'd ask that you'd be teachable and yet have discernment. Lord, would you speak to us? We'd ask that you would help us, that you would conform and transform us, that we would look more like our Savior, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know what's frustrating about being young? Being limited, I think, in what you're allowed to do. You want to make your own decisions already. You want to decide for yourself what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and what time you are going to go to bed. You want to do fun things, things uh, that look good to you, like uh, driving and going on long road trips with your friends. I remember I couldn't... uh, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. So when I was 15, I enrolled in the driver's ed class and I did all of the required things there. And then I went and I took the written test. I got my permit and then I was allowed to drive as long as there was someone over 18 with a valid license. And I did that over that year. And on my 16th birthday, I was there at the DMV, which we call the BMV. I was there bright and early, and I took my test. Guess who got his driver's license on his 16th birthday? That's right, I did. I couldn't wait uh, to get uh, to this point. Young people desire to grow up, and that's good. Adults expect children to grow and mature, and when they don't, quite frankly, it's a concern. Likewise, God expects his children to grow and to become mature. You see, you should strive to grow for God's glory. You should strive to grow for God's glory. 
In Psalm 131, David gives us the essentials for living a life that glorifies God. In this text, David demonstrates the appropriate attitude to grow and mature. Look at verse 2. What does he say there? He says that he is like a weaned child. You see, he has grown from one stage and on to another. So as we meditate on this text, we're going to ask, what does Psalm 131 teach us about growing and maturing in the Lord? And in verse 1, you see that you should grow to the glory of God by being honest. That's our first heading. Grow to the glory of God by being honest. You must be honest. I've said that God expects his children to grow up and become mature. And you see this in places like 1 Peter chapter 2. The apostle Peter reminds us that we are like living stones being built up into a spiritual house. And he says that we are being called to a holy priesthood. Do you believe that? A holy priesthood. That's what you're called to. Are you taking the calling seriously? In that same chapter, in verse 1 and 2, Peter says, Put all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Put it away. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up. That you may grow up. You're supposed to long to grow into maturity, into holiness, into Christ-likeness. And as you think about the context of this psalm, you'll notice that the, uh, the superscription of the psalm, it doesn't give us the historic setting. But you should recognize that the Holy Spirit has positioned this psalm within the psalms of ascent. Therefore, you'd be being a wise student of the Bible, if you thought about that context. The Psalms of Ascent were sung by pilgrims as they were making their way to Jerusalem for the national feast, for those three annual feasts. And these pilgrims were going to face unique pressures and temptations when they entered into the big city. In the city, you're confronted, right, with sin and temptation in ways that you might not be when you live in the country, or in our case, and in our context, the suburbs. So as you think about growing in the Lord, you personally are thinking about your own growth in the Lord. Consider what David says um, in this context, but with the pressures and the temptations that you face, because we're all in a different workplace, or maybe you're at school. Um, Wherever you are, you have pressures and temptations of your own. If you're going to take God's command to grow seriously, then you have to start by being honest in your self-evaluation. You're going to need to be honest with yourself and before God. In verse 1, David prays, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. In this verse, David addresses sin. What sins does he address? He speaks about pride, arrogance, 
and presumption. He says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. David starts by addressing his heart, who he is in the depth of his soul. And he says that his heart is not lifted up. When the Bible uses this term, it's describing people who are proud, someone who is proud. It's describing someone who thinks of himself as superior to other people. And we know, of course, that when we choose sin over obedience, in that moment, we're pridefully making ourselves more important than God, superior to him. Well, David continues, he says, my eyes are not raised too high. The Hebrew word being translated into English as raised too high, it means exalted, but with a negative connotation. Raised eyes communicate defiance in the sense that you're looking at a superior in the eye in a challenging way. Have you ever had someone do that? Someone who the Lord has put in authority over you and you're looking at them with disdain, with resentment that they have authority over you. He ends the verse by saying, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Now, David isn't suggesting that uh, you shouldn't think about uh, deep things or that uh, thinking about deep things is a waste of time. No, he recognizes that he can't solve every problem. He has limitations. He understands he can only do so much. He's being honest with himself. He's being honest with you, with his readers, He understands he has limitations. David wants to stay clear of busying his hands and his minds with things he's not equipped for or in the position to address. Things that are rightly God's prerogative, not man's. David doesn't want to be presumptuous. David had to go through a lot of painful trials to learn all of these lessons. You remember how he watched his son Absalom make many of these mistakes. His son became full of pride, didn't he? He was self-centered, self-important, and self-reliant. And in his pride, he refused to face reality. And he undervalued the people around him, especially his own father. And in his arrogance, he sought to overthrow the Lord's anointed. Absalom was blinded by his conceit. He was full of covetousness. He looked upon his father with contempt. He raised his eyes and looked at his father with defiance. And in his presumption, he overestimated himself. And in his arrogant ambition, it led to his death. My question is, as you look at yourself before the Lord, are you being honest with yourself? Are you being honest about where God has placed you in your life? Do you have contentment with that? Are you honest about your 
position? Are you being honest with yourself about your gifting? Are you taking discipleship serious? Are you pursuing the Lord? Are you seeking to grow in intimacy with Him? Are you seeking to grow in holiness? Are you growing in the Lord? You can't grow and mature unless you're willing to be honest with yourself. Spoiled children refuse to be honest with themselves and they get involved in things that they're not called to and that they can't handle. David has learned these lessons over the course of his life, but it was with difficulty. He learned that you grow to the glory of God by being humble. That's our second heading. Grow to the glory of God by being humble. You'll remember, David had a modest beginning. He was the youngest of eight sons, right? He was a shepherd boy. But he was a shepherd boy who slayed Goliath. And when that happened, he was thrust into public service. He had to leave the comfort and security of life at home for a life in the military. He left a simple life of the country and was confronted by all of the temptations of living in Jerusalem. And as David took on this new role, God blessed him. He, was, he wasn't just a courageous soldier, he was a gifted tactician, so much so that he became Israel's most successful general. Even so much so that the woman, the women you remember, they wrote songs about him. And if that wasn't enough, he married into the royal family. There were so many temptations for him to be proud and to be arrogant. But you know that he went from being famous to being a fugitive. King Saul, his father-in-law, became envious of him and he wanted to kill him. And this became a painful period of David's wandering. But through this season, he learned humility. He learned to trust and to depend on God. That's because God had came to his rescue so many times. David had opportunities to kill Saul, but he didn't dare be presumptuous and kill the Lord's anointed. Eventually, Saul died at the hands of the Philistines and David became king over Israel. You see, David experienced peaks and valleys. He experienced highs and lows. The changes were hard, but he grew through them. And he learned humility. In verse 2, David writes, But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. David has learned to calm and to quiet his soul. He's learned to smooth out his self-will. He's learned to master his own soul so that he is not rebellious against God. And David gives his readers an illustration. He says, I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. 
David's like a weaned child. He, he no longer needs to be nursed. But the process, the process of weaning is typically a struggle, isn't it? Children become restless and agitated when this pattern is broken. They don't want to be deprived. That's how they see it. They don't understand why there is a need for change. They don't see a need for change. But children must eventually be weaned. And when they are, they learn the first lesson in the school of life. Growing up involves painful losses that can lead to wonderful gains and newfound freedom. The child in David's imagery is calm and quiet. The weaning process for him has ended. He's embraced his new circumstances. He's resting peacefully. The imagery suggests that David has endured frustrating struggles like a child who is being weaned. When the Lord brought circumstances that forced change in David's life, he was initially like a resentful child when his mother refuses to nurse him. He struggled to rest in the Lord's lap when it appeared that God was failing him. Can you identify with that? But David learned to trust the Lord like a weaned child who becomes content with his mother's embrace. David's saying that growth can be painful, but it's necessary. It requires humility to accept change. In Philippians 4, you might remember the Apostle Paul says that he learned to be content. Paul says that he served the Lord in toil and in hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. But in each one of these instances, God always provided. Paul learned through his experience He grew and he learned Christian contentment. Maturing people know that life is often a series of gains and losses. Think about what Abraham went through in Genesis 12. God told Abraham that he needed to leave his country and leave his family. God promised him that he was going to bring Abraham to a new land and when he arrived, he was going to bless him greatly. But do you think it was easy for Abraham to leave? Most of those people he would never see again. Couldn't send a letter. He couldn't call. It was painful for him to leave, to say goodbye to his family. But Abraham humbled himself and followed the Lord's direction. You see, growing in the Lord, it can be painful. Abraham would have to continue with this kind of of loss in his life. You remember later he separated from his nephew Lot. Then he has to send his son Ishmael away. And he also had to place Isaac on the altar. All painful weanings. 
And as you reflect on the Bible, you begin to realize that growing and maturing is often like this. Think about what Joseph went through. He was separated from his family, sold into slavery, and imprisoned to see his dreams come true. Has the Lord brought circumstances into your life that are forcing change? The Lord gives Christians a promise. You know it. I'm sure you know it. Romans 8.28 All things are working together for their good. Change is an opportunity for growth. Trust the Lord. Look to Him for answers. Look to His Word. Look to Him for confidence and strength and comfort. Change and loss can be hard, but it's part of life and it's part of growth. David endured frustrating struggles like a child being weaned, and through them he grew. The process required honesty and it required humility. David learned that you grow to the glory of God by being hopeful. That's our third heading. Grow to the glory of God by being hopeful. In verse 3, David says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Who's David addressing? Israel. Who is Israel? All of the children of Abraham. Galatians 3.7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Are you a believer? Have you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior? If so, then David is addressing you. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. What does David tell God's people to do? Hope. In, in Christian parlance and Christian vocabulary, hope does not mean, I hope so. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, who knows. I hope so. It's the atheistic worldview that espouses the doctrine of random chance. Christians reject that. Why? Because the, the God of the Bible... The Bible says that, the God, that God is absolutely sovereign, that he is in control of all things. It says that even the numbers of your head, he's selected. He's, he's in control of every single thing. You see, for Christians, hope is the joyful anticipation of what the Lord will do in the future. It's a faith-filled anticipation based on God's promises which will be fulfilled. David says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. David says, Church, exercise an abiding conviction that the Lord will fulfill His promises. Put your trust in Him. He is trustworthy. 
Deuteronomy 7.9 says, The Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God. Faithfulness is an essential quality of His being. Without it, He couldn't be God. Psalm 36 verse 5 says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. You see, far above our comprehension is the unchanging faithfulness of God. Everything about God is great and vast and incomparable. He never forgets. He never fails. He never falters. He never forfeits his word. He cannot. He is faithfulness. He is truth itself. Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. O Israel, hope in the Lord. David exhorts the church to hope in God as opposed to hoping in themselves or in others. You see, part of growth is moving from self-reliance and depending on others to trusting in the Lord. Psalm 146 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. So as you think about David's exhortation to trust the Lord, you move from thinking about David and following his example to thinking about the one he foreshadowed, David's greater son, Jesus. He experienced moving through different stages in life. The Gospel of Luke tells us that the boy Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom. And we learn from Mark that he later became a carpenter. But he didn't remain a carpenter. As you know, there was a time when he entered into public ministry. And that change was difficult. With it came many, many sorrows. As you reflect on the life of Christ, you remember how much injustice he endured, the laughter, the scorn, the rejection. His own people sought to kill him. But through it all, Jesus demonstrated the humility seen in Psalm 131. He didn't lift up his heart to stare his father in the eye. He never resented God for his providence. Instead, he entrusted himself to his care. Jesus trusted God, but that surely doesn't mean he didn't struggle. You could read of his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. The mental anguish was beyond severe. His sweat became like great drops of blood. Jesus struggled like a child learning to be weaned. But as the hours passed, Jesus continued along the path to the cross. He calmed and quieted his soul. The cross represented a battle that Jesus had to fight without support from above. And as Jesus hung on the cross, and all sense of the Father's love was replaced with wrath, 
the darkness and loneliness pressed in upon him until he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he knew the answer. He knew the answer. He was rejected because he had to atone for your sins. He had to atone for the sins of his people. He calmed and quieted his soul. He placed his trust in God and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Christians are called to grow in their faith, to calm and quiet their souls in the conviction that the Lord will be faithful. God will keep his promises. All things are working together for good. Be at peace and leave the hard things to God. Take up the call to hope in the Lord. David experienced unbelievably challenging circumstances. And time after time, after time, after time, the Lord always, always, always showed himself to be faithful. Every time. Every time. Part of growing in the Lord is learning to trust him with everything. With everything. God expects his children to grow up and become mature They're called to put away sin and to grow in Christ's likeness. In Psalm 131, David gives us the essentials of living a life that glorifies God. He demonstrates the appropriate attitude to grow and to mature. He demonstrates a posture that puts away pride and that puts on humility. David starts by addressing his heart You can't grow and mature unless you're willing to be honest with yourself. You can't grow unless you're honest and humble before God. David has learned to calm and quiet his soul. He's learned to be submissive to the Lord. Growing up involves painful losses, but those losses can lead to wonderful gains. Growth can be painful, but it's necessary. It requires humility to accept change, to accept pruning. Maturing people know that life is often a series of gains and losses. Christians are called to hope in the Lord. They have a faith-filled anticipation that God's promises will be fulfilled. And as they grow in the Lord, they move from self-reliance and depending on others to trusting in the Lord with everything. Christians are called to grow in their faith, to calm and quiet their souls in the conviction that God will be faithful. What does Psalm 131 teach about growing and maturing in the Lord. Psalm 131 teaches that you should grow to the glory of God by being honest, humble, and hopeful. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, those of us who are older have experienced the truth that growth is often a series of painful weanings. And Lord, you know that it is easy to say, trust the Lord, but it is difficult to trust you because our faith is weak and we are frail. Lord, we would ask that you would come to our aid time and time and time again. You tell us that you're faithful. You give us a ton of stories, a ton of history to show that that is the case. And yet, Lord, we are still weak and falter. We do pray that you would help us, that you would give us strength, that we can calm and quiet our souls, not look to men around us, not look to ourselves, but look to you as the one who comforts, the one who provides, the one who gives strength, the one who saves, the one who rescues. Lord, forgive us when we fail to do that and help us to learn to grow in you that you might receive all the glory in our lives. We'd ask that you'd hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.